This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 807, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy and enter promo code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners, just like you, washing hands, wearing masks, getting vaccinated, you're drinking your water, you're stretching. I mean, at this point, you probably have ordered Mac Weldon, is my guess. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, you know... Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 807. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Who, as far as we know, is not guilty of any international espionage. I, I, I mean, no, as far as you know, yeah. There's no proof. No. Until until someone can come through with clear and distinguishable proof, I, I, you're not guilty of anything. Never been found guilty in a court of law. That's And that's important for everyone mm-hmm. listening here to remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. We are iFanboy. Every week we read a stack of comic books that comes out on used to be Wednesdays. Now it's Tuesdays. It's not, nothing's the same as it used to be. No. This is what getting old feels like. Yep. One of us picks the one that they like best. That's the same. That doesn't change. No. Uh, we, are, we are steady in that way. We are Gibraltar. Uh, we call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book. We will talk about the other books from the, from the, the releases that came out. Apparently, I can't do this part. Uh, <laughs> it took 800 times, and I was like, I've lost it. Uh, we, we'll have a good time. There will be mail. Uh, we will uh, clearly point out and enunciate our foibles. That's a thing yeah. we do. That's one of our moves. That's what we're mm-hmm. about. We will have fun. It's not a promise, but it's an aspiration. There will be spoilers. That one I can pretty much promise you. Yeah. Uh, you know how that works. Connor, you had the pick. I did have the pick. I had a lot of books this week, and the pick ended up being Kang the Conqueror, number four. Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, Carlos Magno, Espin Gurtjern. Good. And I was like, I started to look at the script as I heard you. I was like, this can't be that bad. Then I looked at the letters. I was like, fair enough. And Joe Caramagna, <laughs> the old standby on letters. Joey Donuts. I don't know if this is because right now I'm, I just finished reading Avengers Forever in preparation for our Booksplode, but I was all about Kang this week, and you know this miniseries, I think the first issue was the pick of the week, the first yes. one or the second one, yes, and yes, then first one. I, don't, I don't know if we've even talked about it since, but it's been a little, I think the second third episode issues were a little... They were fine. But this one, to me, was like peak Kang. And what I mean by that is a great Kang story should be slightly confusing. Agree. Because Very much agree. It's time travel. There's multiple versions of himself. He's fighting himself. Time travel, if, if done compellingly, is a little confusing. And what this issue here is, is almost a Kang overview. And we, I know that's what kind of the series is itself. And I know that this series is sort of introducing several Kang retcons, which, fine, it's Kang, it's time travel. Yeah, you can, retcons for Kang don't matter. Yeah, so here, the younger Kang, who is the protagonist of this story, the one who started off the series as a child in the future, and ended up going back in time and killing himself in the 60s and becoming Kang at an earlier age, uh, he's on a mission to, to find his love, Ravona, who 
was from ancient Egypt, and he is now discovered living in 4086 CE. And she just does not care about him at all until they start <laughs> fighting. And then it's like, well, you can fight, so uh, let's get out, let's get in on this. And so then he ends up in this sort of that's a dimension spanning, time spanning adventure in which he becomes the full on Kang that we know and love, the Kang the Conqueror. And I think this is also the issue, Josh, where even though you know our love of Kang is very well established and long term, this was the issue where I thought, you know what, I can see Kang as a formidable MCU bad guy, sure, like a re- like a like a fan- Thanos level one if they it, do it right. Well, that's they, that's really the trick. Like that's right. a that's going to be tough to get across intelligently and compellingly. That's a hard one, especially the Kang the Conqueror version. Yes, you know, the not, Conqueror not is a mortis. Really the key. The Mortis who we've met already on Loki is not the one. And even the younger sort of 60s version, the, the badass one who is like a, a time travel version of Alexander the Great, who is just such a great yeah. leader and, and combat commander that his armies just roll over time and space. And there's this one double-page spread where he's fighting uh king arthur and then he's fighting some aliens and then he's fighting immortus and then he's fighting the scrolls and the shiar and it's just like yeah he is he's a super badass uh conqueror he's he's i, I think that we don't lean on the word conqueror enough when addressing him and i right. think that that it's actually something that i think that this series he's Genghis Khan. yeah yeah it's it's something that this series i think elucidated better than a lot of things in the past because people would bring Kang in and, and, you know, he'd be what they needed him to be for that and it was always silly and fun. But this sort of, you know, made it into concrete love. This is what this this character actually is and why he's formidable. And it's not the time-traveling omnipotence, it's the conquering. Right. And it's funny when he shows up because he has the the high flute and talk and he has the big purple boots. But, like... They're not not even thigh-high boots. They're, like, they're taint-high. Yeah. Those boots. Those, if, you, yeah. if those were a millimeter longer, he would get taint chafe. I mean, Maybe like pants. it is. Yes, crotchless pants. And so you you have that element of that here because he's always Kang. His personality is always bombastic and over the top. But he's also you're like, well, this guy doesn't fuck around. You know, he's he has this bloodlust for con- for conquest because he lost Ravona he has no love in his life he realizes the only thing he's really good at the thing that really makes him happy is conquest and he has he raises he raises his army and he just goes to town on the universe and i thought this was incredibly compelling incredibly fun i love the 60s kang mask he wears with the eye cutouts mm-hmm. it's even somehow even more unsettling yeah and um as Kang fans, I thought, as a Kang fan, I thought this was terrific. Did you sure. did you like this issue too? Yeah, I did. Um, I uh, a couple of things I think is that I think that this issue did a really good job, like I said, of solidifying the Conqueror part, but also get, showing us how we got here from who the character was in the first issue. Because it was yeah. like in the first issue, look, he's a he's a human. He's he's got um, uh, he's ambitious. He he has you know issues, you know, but he was recognizable as a human. And and you know you, you see that it's it's that fate thing where you see what you're gonna be and you can fight against it as much as you want but you're still gonna be that thing, which and I think is, so is very compelling, so right? And you know it, you know it's the hubris of the whole thing is that he's the master of time. He can conquer anybody and do anything he wants to, but 
He's always going to be the thing that he is. And mm-hmm. you can't get around it. And that's, that's you know, that's sort of one of those legacy old time stories uh, fit into this. But I, And I think the other thing that is really commendable, and we haven't mentioned uh, the Carlos Manuel art. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was going to talk about him next. He's great. It is, it, is, it, is, it is perfect for what it needs to be here. It yeah. is exactly. I mean, he's done a lot we've talked about lately. Yeah. I tend to be a little higher on him than you are, but. He can go up and down. I think he's great think for this kind of story where it's it's full of characters and detailed and crazy action. He doesn't cheat on a page. No. Look at the page uh, nine where he's standing on like a Mad Max type uh, truck. Yeah. You know, as, as his army comes through and the, the crazy gadgets and guns. And uh, it's really, it does, it does Kirby justice for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess uh, the last thing that I, I wanted to point out, I think that is almost the most important for me, is that this book threaded a needle in a way that most comic book stories, and even anything else, can't, in that uh, they told an origin story, and, they, and it worked. Mm-hmm. It didn't make you feel like the character had significantly changed or had diminished. It didn't feel uh, pointless. Because a right. lot of the times when you take an established character who's sort of fun is how weird they are, and and you know the not knowing anything about them is almost as help is is probably more helpful than knowing anything about it. But they stuck this, yep. you know they 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 gave us a personal Kang story, and at the end of it, the character actually was neither stronger nor weaker. It was just like yeah, that makes sense. That works in there. I'm glad I read that. But it well, did still not got, change. One more issue left. This is this is the second well, last issue. I didn't know that, but um, <laughs> this could have worked as a final issue. It just yeah. could, it could have, yes. and I, it really felt that way. If, if anything, if I have, if I won, I don't even think it's a criticism, but it made me go. Huh. Uh, apparently, Kang is named for an onomatopoeia of an engine <laughs> that makes a Kang, Kang, Kang sound, Kang. not unlike Solo. <laughs> And and I can't tell whether I hate it because it's stupid or yeah. love it because it's stupid. But the next page, the next page where he's standing on, uh, he's sitting on a, a throne of invisible energy, actually. Yeah. You know, as we look down from below up at his, I mean, is Kang the championship Olympic man spreader? Yeah, yes. he is. He's the champ of he, that. And we're looking right up into it. Like we're right. Ra- Speaking of taints, um, yeah. you know, as we look through his army and the flames and Kang, 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 like a, f- a friend of mine sent me that page. He goes, I figured out your back tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's it. I mean, it's not wrong. Nope. I mean, there, there are things here that are, you know, well-worn story ideas. You know, it's the being rejected by his love is what sends him into full-on conquering mode, but that's fine. That's but you kind of want him to have a stupid story. You, like, all of the pomp and circumstances whatever is because he couldn't get a girl. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, like, it works for him. Tr- tropes and cliches work for certain characters. Yes. And I think this is one. And, uh, and I said earlier, like, they can retcon Kang for now. This is the younger Kang. But, like, yeah. there's infinite Kangs. You know, it's a time travel story. Kang, a different Kang can show up and kill this guy sometime in the future. And, you know, who knows? It's just, how many Kangs are there? It's many as you need. X. It's, it's uh, N plus one. K right. plus one. 
So K means something else in scientific <laughs> no, notation. So that this, I can't use I mean, that. We, like I said, we I don't know. We, we may have talked about two and three. I don't remember honestly, but this I think this is the first issue, been the strongest ones. I've been enjoying the series. I, I get excited every time I see it come out. But this issue was the one I read where after every book came out, I thought I kept thinking, going back and thinking about the scenes from this book or mm. pages from this book. And by the end of the by my reads, and there were several books I really enjoyed this week. Yeah, uh, this it wasn't. Was it wasn't one of those winner. weeks where, like, it wasn't. I don't know. There was an apparent, like, a clear winner, but like, I could have picked several picks of the week this week. It yeah, this, been I, I finished my stack, which has about twenty one, twenty two books. And I was like, I think it's Kang. But it wasn't like, it's Kang. You know what I mean? Right. Which is not diminishing this book. It's just that there was things that I liked across a lot of books. But I kept thinking about Kang in that, in that sense. And I kept waiting for another book to come in and, and blow it out of the water. And nothing did because this book was really good. Mm-hmm. It was Kanglicious. And you can honestly, read. you can just read this issue. If I you've not so. read any other issue from the series, you can just pick this issue up. It yeah. gives you everything you need to know about it. And if you if you it's, don't know much about Kang, are you curious? You're Kang curious? Yeah. Um, just read Kang and Conquer number four. <laughs> Oddly enough, Kang is also by there's or, or try there's at least three of him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go, Kang the Conqueror number four from Marvel Comics is the pick of the week. I also enjoyed Dark Ages number three from Tom Taylor and Iban Quello. Although, even though this is. How many issues is this? I don't know if this, how many I have issues no this idea. is actually. Six and or twelve? I feel like they are Stalling? telling me the story. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Well, he does it, that. Like he'll like it's a little bit like somebody telling you that already knows because it happened. Yeah, I, I, I think it's. I mean, I think it's because the the narration is in past tense. We didn't know who we were dealing with. We didn't know who we were dealing with. He was too fast. We couldn't stop it. It happened so fast. You know, and I, I liked all of it. I just thinking, I feel like a, a little bit, my, my only criticism of this book is it feels like it's an overview of a story rather than the story itself. Although I think it's possibly because it's only, I think it's only six issues as opposed to the DC one, which is 12. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like this. I like these, you know, alternate take stories. I thought there were some good bits here. The, quick, were, the, quick, the Quicksilver bit was great. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that, Really, in terms of like a comic book action scene using the the powers and everything, and and you know every once in a while they'll focus on one of the characters that you kind of know about and think about, but you see how sort of formidable they are, and I think mm-hmm. they did that really well with Quicksilver this time. And it, there was a reversal on it, so there was like, we need somebody who can get in and out. We have a guy, and he goes, and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then the twist is that he show they show you know he shows up, and then he sees Magneto, his father, is being used as sort of the the battery. And and then that sends him off the deep end. So he does the wrong thing. And then you see how evil uh, Apocalypse is by using Purple Man to control him to send him back there, where he just kicks everybody's ass and he kills Okoye and he Johnny like Storm really, too. yeah, really quickly. You know, he just yeah. sort of dispatches with every quick. I guess is the the name of the game. Uh, but that was really fun and exciting and it went you know it took you up and down and then sort of the final he basically pierces uh the human torch and he you know explodes he goes supernova or whatever and you see that um sue storm has saved the people in the room uh and she's standing over and she's like kneeling over her the ashes of her dead brother and and as a sort of um contrast to the scene we just had that page brings it right down all the flame disappears and mm-hmm. you see quicksilver sticking half out of this protective bubble 
Yeah. And his legs are burned behind him. I was like, that is that is excellent right there. That is good work on the part of the of the artist. Uh, but also just in, in terms of pacing and stuff. Yes, I wonder what his legs are in the bed scene. Do they give him prosthetic legs? I had that, they... I, I thought that and I went back because and they look like they're actually just charred. At first when you look at them, they look like they're all like No, ash. it looks like they're ash. It doesn't have feet. Yeah, but but some of the darker marks give him some shape that maybe that's more maybe. I don't know. I, not, you're not wrong like they contradicted themselves because i was like well how were that why are his legs there so i went back and looked and i was like i can kind of see how he might still have legs and this is like prototypical tom taylor stuff where there's awesome big action and then it just you know really great character stuff and then that's when the final scene where seuss finds out that reed is helping apocalypse either because he's being mind controlled by purple man or because of his insatiable need for discovery but either way, she's not happy about it. And, uh, you know, this is, this is a fun alternate fun. take story that I've been, I've been enjoying. It's interesting because they put on a, an alternate uh, optional last page uh, where Venom shows up. But if you just... <laughs> don't look at that page. If you don't look at that, there's no problem at all. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool of them to be like, here's one thing that, is, that could happen. That, and then I was like, yeah, but it probably won't. You know, oh, with Venom. Gosh. Oh, boy. <laughs> he looks like he's a Venom-Carnage hybrid. There's, he says, the three of you. Yeah. And I don't know what that means. Oh, boy. I, I'll, I, there's a couple of... I like the art, Iban Coelho, although there's occasionally panels and stuff I don't love. Um, I think they're really inconsistent about the ages of the characters. You know, they gave Peter gray temples, but everybody else looks the same from... Mm-hmm. Previous to well, he's stressed out. <laughs> you know, Listen, I get like it. When you I get at... it. Characters can age, you know, go gray earlier than others, but like, you know, they're supposed to be in the future. Let's make everybody a little bit older looking. They put a couple of lines on Johnny Storm's face, which I thought made him look older. That I thought it worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. And Luke Luke Cage isn't going to crack for all sorts of reasons. Uh, <laughs> Sue Storm, yeah, I don't Sue know. Sue looks like a teenager though. Well, that's because she's constantly using an invisible force field. To smooth the lines of Ooh, her that, face That would out. be a great use of her power, actually. Yeah. Just pull my... Pull, it's a facelift. It's a constant facelift. Yeah. It's tiring. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I like this. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. It was fun. And, you know, there, there, were, there were things in it that are those Tom Taylor magic things that I think he does better than anybody. If it is six issues, I wish it was 12. I, you know what I'm going to go ahead and say? Eight. That's fine. I just wish you, just give it a little more breathing room. It feels like it's moving six very is, quickly. Six is not enough. You're right. I, I agree with that. Not all robots. Not all robots. Not not all of them. So we talked about issue one. We talked about the fact that uh, in his back page essay, Mark Russell said that this is a this is a book about toxic toxic masculinity, and we, and I, at least I said I didn't see that in the first issue at all. It seemed more like a story about. Um, uh, industrialization. It is. It is a book of many, many deep. But this, and this issue is, is definitely very much on the nose about toxic masculinity, as the robots who are the robots previously. If you're not reading this book, in the future, every every family has a robot that does the work. The work. The robot brings home the money, and the humans just sort of enjoy enjoy it. And uh, the problem is, the robots are kind of scary. The robots occasionally rebel and kill people. So they have the people in charge of the robots have built new uh, human-looking robots. And they, those robots are displacing the old ones. The old ones are all being laid off, and there's no jobs for them. Androids. And they just sit home angry, building weapons, and, and then eventually they strike here with their tiki torches. 
and um <laughs> and they, they don't the thing is like they're and the robots are also unhappy right they're, they're but depressed. they don't know why they won't talk about it right. like they kind of hint around it with each other like it, the metaphor becomes very clear and there are a lot of metaphors and like this is this is book you could take this book in a thousand different ways but i think what we mostly need to come out of it is that we need to figure out a way to, to make a mandroid ron shirt because Mandroid Ron is the greatest <laughs> character to be introduced in quite some time. <laughs> because he says the line. <laughs> there are fewer protesters on the streets now than any time since the asphyxiation of Orlando. You could say that they've taken the wind out of the protest. And I was like, Jesus. It's not even real. And I was, oh, Mandroid Ron. Well, you know that uh, Mike Diodato Jr., the artist, is going to do his thing. So that's George Clooney. Uh, the main guy is Michael Douglas. The main yeah. woman is is uh, what's her name from Single White Female. The main dude is uh, Michael. K- the other dude is Michael K. Williams. Yeah. So you know he does his thing. Whatever. I think he, you know what at the beginning we thought it's weird that he's on this, but I think that he was right for this in the end. I think it totally worked. It's great robots. It's not over. I don't mean it that way. But no, um, no, it's not over yet. It feels like yeah. next issue is the final issue, doesn't it? It does feel like this. This is the climax. Yes, it does. Yeah, to be included. So next issue. Yeah, I forgot we're in the age of five issue miniseries now. Mm -hmm. In ten years, it's going to be the three issue miniseries. Yeah, and And the issues will be. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say sixteen, but yours yours was better. It's going to cost you eight (laughs) dollars. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It's a. It's a fun. You know. It's. It's. It's Mark Russell. It's thoughtful. It's kind of funny. It's kind of terrifying. You know, he's I, I, I don't I, I don't think he's gonna run out of steam anytime soon with these kind of things because he's he's sort of the only guy doing it any justice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a fun little niche that he picks out. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some jokes and things that are like really on the nose. You're just like, oh man, that's you couldn't come up with a like better he, one. But then there's some that are just so brilliant. So I feel like he knows that though. Like it's like sure. a dad joke. Like he's he's yeah. like, I'm gonna stick this here, and that helps it keep. You can't always be super clever. Right. It's like one of the, like, if you're constantly being super clever, you get kind of annoying. So you make yourself a little dumb, too. You put in a fart joke, and then you can move along without. I, I enjoy the, the neighbor who made who got a sex spot that looks like his neighbor, neighbor's wife, <laughs> but younger. Just <laughs> toss him with it. <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee? Jennifer Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee. The Amazing Spider-Man, 78 point bay. Which I guess is I don't know B-E-Y, what that means. Short for beyond. I, oh, I thought I thought it was um somebody's girlfriend. No, the, this is the beyond storyline happening in, in Spider Man. Uh, is this the corporation point dot things? Yeah, the yes, absolutely. So let's take all that out of it. Yeah, and oh, I yeah. every time an Amazing Spider Man issue comes out, I'm like, I don't want to read this. <laughs> but the, I, I because I don't I don't want to read the Ben Riley story. Yeah, I don't but either. they've they've actually been pretty good yes if i put that aside if that makes sense like i don't want that to be the thing but if they have to be they're not bad yeah and, and this is jed mckay yes who has been doing great great marvel gosh work so this one uh it's got the daughters of the dragon you've got colleen wing and misty knight on the cover mm-hmm. and uh and I thought, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And pretty quickly, it became apparent that this was their issue. It had really very little to do with Ben Riley, who made a little appearance at the beginning. Right. Uh, and it was delightful. Yes, it was. It was delightful in every way. Uh, Eleonora Carlini, who I do not know, 
uh, and Frederico Blee on colors uh, did wonderful art. I thought at some point I was like, yes. it's uh, Otley? Or something. Yeah, it looks a little Otley-esque. Yeah, um, for sure. And and there's a there's a bit where and you know Jed McKay is doing really spectacular uh, dialogue throughout this whole thing. Um, so at the beginning uh, they have created a training mission like a danger room type scenario, which is uh, haunted Avengers Avengers murder Avengers murder mansion. <laughs> and Spider Man goes in and there's a Captain America chainsaw murder and you know uh, basically it's it's a horror movie in the Avengers mansion. Yeah, and it's sort of silly. And then they come up with this story that goes around where Colleen and Misty, you know, have to go fight a monster. And even that's sort of silly because they're like, they, they go for like an after action meeting. They're like, oh, there's one other thing we need you to do. All right, well, we'll go do the thing. And they drive down there. Is it a monster wrecking downtown Manhattan? I was like, so how long did they wait before they showed up there? <laughs> and where are the rest of the Avengers? It doesn't matter. And All like right. the monster has this crazy sci-fi cosmic power thing and they end up inside an Avengers murder mansion because of a, a technical glitch, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter, but it becomes real. Yeah. Like, it was just... It was it fun. Was like, it was so fun. And the, the art was... Uh, I mean, it was perfect for what it needed to be, and it was really uh, energetic. I liked the characters. I liked the stuff going on around them. You know, as soon as we snap back to the Beyond stuff and the woman with the pink hair, I was like, why doesn't anyone see that this is a supervillain? You know, uh... <laughs> But you know, like this, I was like, give them a series. Yeah, and they did a trick. They they you know they they didn't bring the star energy thing back to the lady. They gave it to I'm calling her Photon. I'm going to call her that forever. Um, I call it Captain Marvel. Yeah, or Monica Rambeau, but not yeah. what is she Spectrum? Not calling her that. I don't know. That's a cable company. Her name is now. stupid. Um, I I just I I I expected nothing, and I just enjoyed the heck out of it. I might yeah, they're have made a great this team. My week. Colleen's you know the goofy one. And, uh, and Misty's sort of the, the the one who wags her finger at Colleen, but they're a great team. And but is charmed by her at the same yeah. time, not annoyed. She's amused by her, mm-hmm. and you know they have that they have a fun relationship, and they're good. You know, the, these side dot books they're dumb, but also it allows them to branch off and tell these stories that they wouldn't tell in the main book. And when you have like people on them who are, you know, skilled. And, and and are able to have fun. And, you know, like there's a page where they're using all the different gadgets they get from beyond and it just, the, the caption describes what the thing is and gives you the skew. Uh, yeah. You know, like really let them let them play. Like you, you can get good things out of it. And yeah. I, I think there are, you know, we, I think that we, we malign some of what happens in, in comics and, and newer creators that we don't know. But I think the people who have showed up, there's a crop of them who are very good at sort of these these kind of asides mm-hmm. like stronger than i think have been in a while uh yes. and, and again art art is all over the place but the good art that shows up from the unknowns is really good yeah like, like there's this like an endless well of these people yeah really fun all right let's talk about blue and gold number four from dan jurgens and a bunch of artists we're going to talk about in a second so Obviously, I, I was in the bag for this issue. This is not a surprise. But, <laughs> um, you know, this is Booster Gold and Blue Beetle having solidified their business partnership. They're going to go into sort of the, the community superhero game. And so they're doing a TV interview about, about their new endeavor. And uh, they get start to bicker about a, a memory they had about when Booster first joined the Justice League. Again, none of this continuity makes any sense in the New 52, but what the fuck ever? Who cares? 
buy the t-shirt. There's a shirt for that. So um, they get to bicker about a memory about when Booster first joined the team and Booster remembers it one way and Beetle remembers another. So they do a flashback and the first flashback is Beetle's telling the story and it's drawn by Kevin McGuire, which looks terrific. The co- I still don't love how they color him, but it's much better than how they used to color him. And here I think, uh, I don't know who's coloring him, honestly. They didn't list a colorist for his art, but maybe he's doing it himself. Um, and that was great. Nice little flashback to the Justice League. And then Booster tells his side of the story. And for some reason, Dan Jurgens draws it. I feel like McGuire should have drawn all the flashbacks. I get that he's slow, but um, if you're flashing back to a specific era of the Justice League, then have McGuire do all of it. Jurgens drew the Justice League late, much, 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 much later into the run. And it just didn't make sense from a like a device standpoint. If you're going to do, do, do the one thing, do it properly. And then, of course... Uh, Guy Gardner shows up to, to set the record straight because he has a ring recording of of what happened. And uh, so, like I a Rashomon kind of thing. That was a really fun issue. And Ryan still could do the rest of it, which he's so I back. S- I saw it and I was like, I remember reading one or two of these, but I don't think that I've read this far, and so I didn't read it. That's okay. It might be a you thing. I will say that this week was the week that I was like, I'm done with many of these things that I, I was like. I read uh, Green Lantern, and I was like, I, I can't keep doing this. Oh no, I dropped it. I dropped I'm it this week. Uh, in fact, Justice League, I was almost like, I, I don't think I can do this anymore either. It, I, it was not a good issue. Ha- and, you know, like half of it, I don't want to read it all. And the other half, like I'm trying. It was a lot of that. I was like, okay, well, I can't. I, I I don't have time for this. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. I wanted this on here. Um, I, I, talked to Tom, I, uh, I talked to Tom King about this a little bit. but um, and, and I think Jim Viscardi and I spoke about it the last time the issue was out. But I love this series. I just... Uh-huh. When a new issue comes out, I get really excited because it is totally out of Tom King's sort of normal oeuvre. Yeah. Um, and I just, it's such, it's beautiful. Like every issue, Bill Chris Everly. Oh, beautiful. I mean, just doing career work um, stands out. And you just got this really interesting little story with these characters. And, and basically, this story is about um, Supergirl getting tricked into going to a planet that was constructed specifically to trap Superman. Yeah. And I just thought, God, that's brilliant. Like, what a, With a cool device. Sun. Yep. How they spend... do that doesn't matter. No, totally doesn't matter. But, it, you know, like, uh, the suit, the sun makes him, uh, you know, get some sick like kryptonite. And in the meantime, so then when that's happening, there's scary dinosaurs everywhere. Now, why they let it so the sun could go down and you could get away? Who knows? Don't care. <laughs> Batman 66. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it allowed the, the girl who has been the sidekick, the, yes. um, the, the, t- the tr- true grit little girl character to have to stand up and defend. Supergirl, yep. who has basically passed out from the rays of the sun. Why they didn't cover up with her cape, at least it would have helped a little bit or put her into a shade. But yeah. Instead of on a platform, basically on display to the sun. Yeah, yeah but, we're going to go on this plateau. I, that seems like a bad idea. There's but, a crevice uh, there. Just squeeze her in there. Yeah, just roll her off the side. At least give her a little shade. But um, there's even like, there's a big water thing in the middle, but it's surrounded by the, they're like, let's just go to the water. Well, the water's like, the trap. Supergirl. You go to the water yeah. and you, that's where all the dinosaurs are. But, right, I know. It's brilliant. Um, it's such a different, you're right. It's such a different Tom King book. It's more like a road trip. They don't really... They're ostensibly looking for this guy who killed the girl's father, and they keep stumbling upon the aftermath of his actions. And he's the one that sent him to this planet. He, they caught yeah. up with him very, very briefly, and he used magic because you know super, super characters are vulnerable to magic to send them to this planet. So it's not really we're not following like a giant story. There's not an intricate plot here. It's basically a road trip through this universe 
And uh, I know it's somewhat controversial because of the Supergirl's a, a harsh Western character. She curses a lot. She's kind of mean sometimes. Well, what I was going to say but is like, like if if this was Supergirl, and I was going to ask you, I was like, is this Supergirl? Because I don't think it is. I would read this character should be on the Justice League. Like <laughs> Superman, I'm serious. Like yeah. Superman has to go away and do whatever. I would rather read this character, you know, than if she was on the Justice League and, and you know, has all Superman's power, but has a bit of a chip on her shoulder. It's right. so interesting. And, and it makes so much more sense than someone who's just trying to look up to her cousin and be the best that he can be. And she loves her cousin, but at one point she's like, God, he's an asshole sometimes. Totally. Um, you would totally think that if he was in your family. <laughs> he's so fucking perfect. Who does he think he is? <laughs> and especially if you're, I mean, I don't know how old she's supposed to be. Supergirl, she's traditionally a teenager. Well, she's 21. That's true. She, right, she turned 21 in the story. So, uh, But especially if you're that age, you know. Yeah. Your perfect cousin is like, sometimes it's going to grade on you. You love them well, and that, they're... That too. And, and you can you know, idolize them, but occasionally it's just be like, ah, no one can well, measure up to you. She's got the same branding, so like everyone expects her to as well. Right. Like that's going to make you kind of kind of pissy. And she's yeah. not Kal-El, which is the thing about him, by the way. It's not the superpowers, it's the man. So why is she... She isn't that man. Anyway, I, I just... Uh, it's great. I hope that this character survives. I didn't know there was controversy, but of course there's controversy. Well, just a little whatever. bit, because she's not the traditional sort of like happy-go-lucky Supergirl version. Good. We have enough of that. I wanted to briefly mention Robin's number one from Tim Seeley and Valdemar Rivas. Uh, this was a book that was... They, DC did some silly like... We're, we want to publish a book. Vote on which one we should publish a while ago, and this was the winner. Um, which, of course, if the the team up of all the Robins is going to win that competition. But and I think <laughs> it may have come out in some other form before, but this is the first time it's sort of out widely to the general public. And I was very excited to read this, obviously. I uh, read this last. This is a six-issue miniseries. and You I, were excited. I intensely disliked it. Um, <laughs> I thought the art was b- bad. I hated the portrayal of some of the characters. Um, they had Nightwing walking around in a man bun and a, a tank top, like totally incongruous to what he's got going on right now in his book. Um, and then we're going to talk about Nightwing in one second, but I guess the new status quo for Tim Drake, now that he's by, is to totally ignore the fact that he had a long-term relationship with Stephanie. That, that's a bit, that happens a bit here, and then we're going to talk about it in Nightwing in a second, but it just irks me that uh, this long-established DC couple, it's like they never even happened. It's, it's not a, even like they, you know, said he's gay. So you don't really right. even have to brush that under the right. rug. Interesting. I mean, look, there's a couple of scenes here that got me. There's, you know, they're sitting around a table talking, and it's 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 Dick, and it's Tim, and it's Jason, and it's Stephanie, and it's Damien. Again, out of continuity, Damien is off in Fight Club land or whatever in his own book. But, um, and then the, you know, above them, that above book's them, great by the way. <laughs> above them, like, it's super is, fun. Like ghost images of them as Robin. Like, that sort of stuff is mm-hmm. designed to get me where I live, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. just overall, I didn't like the book. And the, also the real thing that bothered me, which I'm going to read the second issue just to find out if this is true or not, but it seems like they are... The villain of the story is the original Robin who was kicked out by Batman. And I went, no, 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 no. You cannot fuck with that. You cannot retcon that. There was no Robin before Dick t- 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 Grayerson. Really? That's what they're doing? Yeah. That's seems terrible. Like That's so I, terrible. I was very very upset after the end of this one. Nightwing, I just want to mention, 86, Tom Taylor, Robbie Rodriguez. This is the final tie-in to Fear. Thank God. Fear itself? Fear State? And fear State. Fear State. And, that, and this is Fear Itself may as well. I mean, it was just, it's just as grating. Uh, y- y- yeah. This did you read is why, this? Yeah, I did. This the is overall why Tom... story's been dumb. 
However, I feel like in these tie-ins, yes. there have been moments of Tom Taylor goodness. However, the yes. thing that really bothered me in this issue, which was a little, a little surprising, I don't. That's why I wonder if this is like a company mandate. Is in the beginning, you know, the clock tower blows up. They think Stephanie and Cassie were inside it, and and so Dick and Barbara and Tim are outside, and they freak out, watching it explode, and they're they're digging through the rubble for them. And Tim seems to be appropriately upset. So he yells at them to keep digging, and he, he makes sense because his long-term ex-girlfriend's in the rubble. And then when they find out she's actually alive, and they weren't actually in the clock tower, like he's just sort of sitting there in the background, no reaction to the news. And then when they find the girls, he they don't show like a big reunion with Stephanie. He's, they show him hugging Cassie, and he doesn't. They don't even show him talking to Stephanie at all. At all. Maybe it's awkward. It's just weird. It's just so fucking weird, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't let them be by, fine, but you can't ignore the fact that they were together for in the comics for like 20 years. Like, it's just bizarre. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, well, I, I, think, I, I have not hated these issues because, I get, again, like, this has been a fun team of, like, sort of the sidekicks. I mean, good, good Barbara Dick stuff all through. Yeah. So that's been the case. But I, I will, like, the stuff that he gets to do on his own doesn't get affected by this, and it's so yeah. much the stronger for it. I like that Tim as the younger brother is constantly ribbing Dick and Barbara for, for being romantically involved now. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know what you guys find romantic or, you know, there was a bit of that in, in another book this week was a Batman where, uh, Barbara's setting up a new headquarters for Stephanie and her and Cassie. Cause they're going to be in the Batgirls book, which I'm excited for. And she's like, I'm not going to go with you guys. You guys can take the keys. And like, where are you going? Well, I'm going to go sleep and stay at Dick's house. And they were like, huh? So I like that whole fun bit is fun, mm-hmm. but um, I want more Cass. She's great. Uh, well, I think you should read the Batgirls book when it comes out. It's going to be drawn by Jorge, okay. Corona, or Jorge uh, Corona from Nice from Mid- Middle West. Yeah, good. That's but all right. There's a great shot in here, page eleven, with Cassie in the background. Mm-hmm. God, that suit is the one of the best modern suits. Yes, that, that Batgirl suit. They, I'm glad they went back to it. Just such a great yeah. suit. The full face mask. So anyway, just, it, I'm, it's over now. So if you've been avoiding these issues, you can go back to Nightwing. Even though I think you could have read these and been fine. Yes, and I did in in just that way, and it was okay. And also, this whole story is over now. Fear, so fear state's over. But it ended in Batman this week. Next next month starts the Joshua Williamson era of Batman. It'll be interesting. And those are the books we wanted to talk about. There's a lot of books, but the patrons get their say at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, and they voted add a book to the rundown this week. The winner was another Comixology original. This is our second patron pick Comixology original. We Only Kill Each Other, number one. Stephanie Phillips, Peter Krause, Ellie Wright, and Troy Pateri. And you know what I really love about Stephanie Phillips, Josh? I think I have an idea, but why don't you go with it and I'll tell she you. She seems to really want to write the books that you and I want to read. That's pretty much what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, she wrote, another, she wrote a superhero book this week that... I'm trying to... I can't even think of what it was. I didn't really love it, but... I really like her, her non-superhero stuff. She writes a pirate her, book. Her, she wrote a yeah. serial killer murder mystery book. She's writing this in mob World story. I mean, like, she seems to be super into <laughs> these comics that you, me, and five other people want to read. Well, and I say you know what's great. interesting about that is that listen, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ignore it. This is not a thing that uh, female comic writers are typically associated with, and I oh, think sure. that it's very interesting. That I think this is the first, you know, woman who's sort of done so many of these type of uh, real life genre stuff. Like, and it's not, it has nothing to do with 
genderness. I mean, the pirate book's about women, but it, you know, it's not that. But it's not like you're like, oh, this is written by a woman as a thing, which isn't a good or a bad thing. But like, they're just stories. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The point is, but it doesn't happen much. It's unusual. Like, it's just not a thing that happens. But it's gotten to the point now where she's done enough of them that I see the name. And you're right. Like, the work for hire stuff is work. She's probably, that's how you make a living. You do whatever. And it's fine, but it isn't. But this kind of thing, her, you know, creator-owned original stuff yep. is all good and interesting. And you're right. It's the kind of books that you and I, it's it's sort of like Brian Wood's side stuff. Yes. Yep. Um, reminds me of that. And it's good. It's not even just like, oh, this is a good concept. Uh, no. We only kill each other number one. I had no idea what it was. And I read it, and I was like, "Wow, this is awesome!" <laughs> like the covers, a bunch of giveaway, a bunch of mobsters, and there's a photograph of Hitler on fire. And I was like, "Let's do this." It's and it takes place in 1938, so it's you know the run up to World War II. It's happening in Europe. Uh, we are uh, you know still in the depression in the U.S. Uh, you know the rise of uh, organized crime and and you know a Murder Inc. and the outfit. And well, yeah, and, at know, this point you've had. Prohibition is is over, but it's or it's almost over. Is it over the next year? It's over. It's, it's over, over now. It's 30, Thirty-two. So the gangs have the gangs have risen from prohibition. So this is all about a Jewish mob uh, in in New York, and uh, you know the the only knock on this is there's you know we just don't know exactly what's happening. Like a lot of these first issues are, we we meet a lot of characters, we get the setting and the time and place, which has been great. We just don't know exactly yeah, what you, the story is. I mean, like, it, for me, it helps because I know the context. Like, sure. I know where they are. I understand that they're all connected to each other and going to be. I thought, um, by the way, if you haven't, uh, there is a book, and I cannot remember the author right now. I'm sorry, off the top of my head. It's a book called Tough Jews. Yeah, it's a good And one. it is about the rise of the Jewish uh, organized crime system in, in the 20s and 30s. Uh, Arnold Rothstein, Meyer Lansky. Uh, it is a wonderful bit of history that is so integral to the mafia story that you we don't most people don't know about anyway so rich Cohen knowing that wrote it. okay yeah yeah we both read that a, Ju- a, while ago. a jewish man uh, <laughs> no, uh it's a it's a wonderful book and i am always seeing stuff in pop culture that r- makes me think i'm glad i knew these things um and this is another one of those and I, I don't i'm trying to remember the guy's name but there's a there's a jewish gangster and he's trying to observe the sabbath but he's a he's a bloodthirsty ruthless killer at the same time which is really interesting and he's going after this other guy who's the tough guy who throws somebody through a plate glass window a la daredevil at the beginning and (laughs) he thinks oh you think oh he just wants to kill that guy and then they they meet up at the end and what you expect to happen is not what happens and then another thing happens that you didn't expect to happen and that's the end of the issue and you know all of those characters the setting the time and then the structure and plotting were all interesting. Oh, then there's and the then, Bund. Yeah, oh yeah, the Bund. And the Bund is fascinating, by the way. We yeah. don't talk about it, you know, too much in terms of when we tell our World War II story. We do not talk about the fact that there was a large, large contingent of Americans, specifically German Americans. This was in the plot against America, uh, yeah. the HBO series. But there's a large contingent, you know, the, who, were, who were pro-Hitler, which was not unusual at that time. You know, yeah. like through the 30s, a lot of people were like, well, you know, Germany's pretty great over there right now because we were not a tolerant nation at the time. We weren't like, no, we like Jews. We're fine. It was, that was not the thing. No. It's all interesting history. It's just, and, it, and, it, and there's no, God, there's no zombies or aliens, <laughs> magic. And it's just so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Krauss, someone we've, we've, oh. we've loved since we first saw him on Irredeemable a long time ago with Mark Wade, And... Uh, he has shown up here and there. He, he doesn't work a ton. 
in comics. He also works in advertising. Yeah. But uh, he did a, a great World War II Archie series last year, or the year before, whenever time had meaning. Archie 1945 or 55. They did 50, I don't know if he did 55. He definitely did 45. Uh, he does terrific uh, character and storytelling stuff. He's, he's, he's great. I ended up meeting him in San Diego at some point, and we were pretty friendly. And uh, I, I really like him a lot, like just yeah, as, as, a, as a dude, nice really do. But yeah. I read this and I just thought, this is this is fantastic. Like this is like he does great work. But I was like, this is uh, this is a step up. Like he's I don't know, the right man at the right time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was exactly what it needed to be. Um, you know, th- this is the challenge of we're talking about humans. There's no costumes. There's no. You have to make everybody look different. You have to, you know. And he he did that through posture and face and outfit. You know, so you can tell who the people you're talking about. The the Jewish gangster has a very clear suit, you know, double breasted yep. sort of pinstripe thing, and and the you know the 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 main guy is you know he's rumpled, and you can sort of point him out. And I just thought I, I was perfect. It was really really well drawn. Yeah, so the, I'm really interested to see where this goes. This is a six issue mini. Um, and if you're you're this is uh this is the Kindle part Prime whatever. Yeah, if, if you're, you're on a pr- it, if, Prime, if you're member, Prime member, it's free. If you're a Prime member, you go and you you order it, quote unquote, from Amazon, and it shows up on a Kindle reader, and you read it just like a comic book on a tablet, or I'm, I'm sure you can read it on a browser or something like that. But um, yeah, and, and it, it looks like clear the the Snyder uh, Menopole series, which is also there. The second issue of that came out, and it was also still free for Prime. So it I might be that these, this is. I think they all might be free all the way through. Which which makes sense because if they're paying for them, it's a lot cheaper than a TV show. Then I get those for free on Prime, right. which is pretty awesome. Like you know, so, it, like you could just read this. You don't even have to pay. You yeah, know, so if you're an Amazon Prime customer, they're not sponsoring the show, but we're both Prime customers. No. If you are, there's like almost no excuse not to check out. We only kill each other and clear, both yeah. terrific series. But let's let's rate. We only kill each other number one from Comicsology Originals mm-hmm. on a scale of one to five. This is hard because. Ratings. I want to give it a higher score than I think it deserves mm-hmm. in a way. I think I want to say like a four craft wise, but a five for joy. Like, I think that's actually <laughs> would have been my pick of the week. Right. Um, for sure. Uh, I'm going to go with four and a quarter. I'm going to temper, you know, my subjective excitement with my objective reality. Well, according to her bio in the back, Stephanie Phillips has a PhD, so we should be calling her Dr. Phillips. Um, I, I I made a I made a strong attempt to get her on the show and it didn't work out and and after I read this I was like I have got to get that back because I really want to talk to her. I'm gonna give this a four as well. I'm looking forward to more. Sticking with it, yes, we both are. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. There's a Patreon pick. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy is where you can vote and add a book to the rundown. But real quick, we're gonna talk about who our favorites. Josh Mack Weldon. Oh. You're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. We're all busy guys. So stop thinking about what you're going to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mack Weldon Daily Wear System. The Daily Wear System is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design, made with performance fabrics, and built to work together. From breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear and beyond, Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure, and play, or wherever your life takes you. You know, it's, it's getting chilly now in LA, and I've worn my Mack Weldon Radius pants every day this week. Really? Yeah. They're quite flexible. You know, we talked about I, I, we talked about them before. The Ace sweatpants are are really comfortable and kind of stylish for sweatpants, at least for what you think about sweatpants are. But the ra- the radius pants, um, which you have, I believe, also yeah, oh yeah, it, are 
you know, they're nice sort of, uh, what are they made out of? It's like, I mean, it's probably some kind of polyester kind of thing, but they're, so they're sort of windproof and vaguely water resistant, but they're flexible. They're comfortable. They have elastic waistbands for all the COVID, your COVID related needs. And <laughs> what's great about them is you can, what, like what I did yesterday, throw on a sweatshirt and some shoes, run out to the pharmacy and get your booster shot. And never have to change pants because they work. They're they're indoor outdoor pants. They're public facing and private facing pants. They're great. They're comfortable. We're gonna. They call this a technical fabric, which I think is the correct thing. Weather resistant. Right. Uh, it probably wicks moisture or something to that effect. You know. Great uh, pants. It's I'm not wearing them right now because I decided to launder them because I wore them five 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 days in a row. That's but, that's a lot. So they're holding up though, is what you're saying. Yeah, they're that's great. What I'm hearing. I love them. Nice. I'm so, I was so excited for the weather to change so I could pull my my ace pants and my radius pants out of the closet and onto my body. I'm able to focus on the things that matter most to me because of the time I save, not have to worry about my clothes. I've got them all set for me because of Mac Weldon. All the clothes are designed to wear together for the ultimate lazy Sunday. Their ace sweatpants have modern tailoring and pair perfectly with the ultra soft, ultra upgraded Pima tees. For travel weekends, both far and near, the silver knit polo and radius pants are the perfect high tech, highly packable combo. So if you have been listening to us talk about Mack Weldon for years and you haven't taken the plunge, for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy, enter promo code iFanboy. That's MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy, promo code iFanboy for 20% off. Mack Weldon, radically efficient wardrobing. I have been right on the edge of ordering an ace pullover hooded sweatshirt for mm. some time. Every time I go to the website, there's like other stuff there, but... I just I know what the sweatpants are like, and I'm like that sweatshirt's gonna be perfect, and I'm gonna it's gonna happen soon. Insanely soft, micro brushed French terry. Come on, ooh, those are all good right? words. Those are all good words. I like French. all those words. <laughs> micro brushed. C'est très bien. C'est magnifique. Hey, patron, pick powers time. If you're if you're a patron who gives the five dollar higher level, uh, you get your superpower live on the show. We thank everyone who does so and it supports the show, and we reward them thusly. Josh, kick it off. Bishop DeQuain. <laughs> oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> or I could say it American. I could say DeQuain. Bishop DeQuain. Actually, there's an E at the end of it, so I should pronounce the end. I don't know. Uh, I'm out of practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, can banish any and all remakes from existence. Oh, shit. So if a remake of something comes out, and and he he I assume he disapproves the mm-hmm. bishop as it were the bishop can just erase it from existence. So it turns out there never was a Gus Van Sant psycho movie with Vince Vaughn in it. It just didn't happen. It never happened. No one remembers. There it. were no. I mean, honestly, he could banish half the TV shows on streaming. There would be nothing you know left to show on streaming. People would go to streaming and, and be like, "What? Where's all the shows?" And, and no one would miss it. <laughs> No one at all. You might have thought you liked the one day at a time show, but you didn't. It doesn't matter. It's gone. But if he touches Fargo, he'll be up against a wall. Oh, That's snap. what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, not the last season. <laughs> no, that was not a good season. Darren Jackson. So, Josh, when Darren Jackson takes off his shirt, he may look like a normal man to you and me. Right? Well, look at that guy. He's got no shirt on, but other than that, looks pretty normal. normal. He then activates his power. <gasps> and his stomach turns into an oven. An oven door appears on his chest, a stomach chest area. He opens up that oven, and uh, infinite croissants come out. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So inside, it's like a Doctor Who telephone booth kind of thing. I guess, whatever that means. But he just, every time he opens his, his, his stomach up and there are croissants in there. Delicious, fresh croissants? Or Beautiful, just kind of delicious, croissant? fresh croissants. This is a very, this is a very frank, francophile uh, segment <laughs> we're in here. Le croissant est magnifique. I'm hungry now. So and somebody tried to remake uh, Godard's Breathless, and he was like, "No, <laughs> no, and shit!" Then, and he's eating it. Oh, they should team up. They should team up. They should team up. So what they should and do like, is Bishop Daquan erases the remake, and then he takes the guy who whose idea it was to remake it and slams his head into Darren Jackson's oven like in Goodfellas. Oh my God, that's not where I was going at all. <laughs> and then they just beat him with the oven door. See, what I was thinking is that. He would go to the place where, like, he would go to, like, Netflix HQ, right? Yeah. And, and he would be like, I'm very sorry. Désolé. Mais uh, no more remakes. And they freeze them all. And then they're like, but. And they didn't remember it happened. But when they wake up, piles of fresh croissants. So well, they don't even know. Like, they're like, I don't know, everything seems okay. And they're like, I feel better about my soul. Like, how and bad could is, life be if you've got piles of fresh croissants? Like, they don't even know what happened. It's, a, right. it's an absolute good is what it is. So there you go, patreon.com slash fanboy. <laughs> you can give it the $5 high level and get your own superpower live in the show. And we know... Can you believe we never got an Eisner nomination? <laughs> we, we, do, we do something like we just did there, <coughs> and no one even cares. I just wanted to say, if you're still waiting for your power, the list is long. We're getting through it as fast as we can. Uh, just hold, hold tight. Hold steady. Be patient. I mean, that's not entirely true. We're only doing two at a time now. Well, we're trying to... Yeah, well, <laughs> four was I mean, making the show We could do it faster. Well. But we don't want to run out because we really like doing this. And the day that there are none left, it will be a sad day. Let's do an email or you want to skip the email? I don't even know where we're at in time. We're almost at an hour. All right, do it. Do it. Paul P. from Vancouver, Canada. A. Marvel has long distinguished itself from DC by having a more cohesive universe continuity unless a book is specifically labeled otherwise. For example, what if or ultimate, the ultimate lines. However... Lately, it seems like they have more titles edging into Elseworlds territory and not necessarily tied to the main universe, but also not labeled What If or something else that would indicate this. Two recent examples, Dark Ages, which seems to be completely on its own, which seems to be completely its own event, isolated in time and space, and The Thing. If you don't believe me about this one, look closer to see the cell phones being used in the 1980s, question mark. Do you think this is intentional, or is Marvel just not caring so much, as much about keeping things cohesive since DC has obviously given up on that? and still been successful with great standalone stories that have nothing to do with the main universe. Are the Marvel editors and powers that be merely being sloppy? Or could they perhaps be slyly opening more windows into another multiverse for whatever the hell they have planned in the movies coming up? Curious on your thoughts? Well, they're not like sloppily putting out books like, oh shit, who greenlit this out of continuity book? Whoops. I mean, I think my my understanding is that it's not as important to them as it used to be to us. And story seems to have more sway than continuity, which is probably ultimately a good thing. Um, We've I just been think advocating it's, for that for years. I just, I think that the, I think the sands, the bedrock that sort of we, we older folks, especially uh, who have been around in comics for a long time are, are slipping and changing and like we can appreciate it, but we can still be annoyed by it at the same time. 
But, you know, the, if you think about it, you know, the folks who are editing comics now, the folks, you know, the, like the frontline editors and assistant editors, mm-hmm. they, didn't, they didn't grow up in the same climate that we did. It's a, it's a different thing now. And even the creators are, you know, for a while, they're pretty much our, our peers. But now they're probably, you know, 10 years younger than us or something like that. And it's, it's just a different expectation of things. And then it's yep. not like Marvel's never done this before. You know, they've done they've done mm-hmm. like uh, Neil Gaiman's miniseries. What was that called? Uh, the 16, 1695, 1685, something like sixteen. It was a year in the sixteen hundreds. And then there was the other one, similarly in, no, numbered eighteen seventy, whatever, with the Marvel oh, heroes good. In, in the Old West. Like it's not un, uh, unknown to do this. It's just mm-hmm. they don't do it as much. So it's not like it's a new ther- to thing for them. And also, I would say the thing. That's just retro modern modern storytelling. That's pervading everything, you know. Yes, and that's the thing was I thought was very firmly in continuity. It's just that, you know, it's, it's the same thing as when when Bendis did the original X Men coming into modern continuity. It's like they didn't show up from 1963; they showed up from, you know, sometime in the past with cell phones and things. You just have to constantly, you have to slide the scale forward. So it may yeah. have had the the characters and the feeling of the storytelling of the eighties, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't take place in the eighties because that would make thing you know ninety five years old. They have to slide the scale forward. <laughs> One thing that's nice about Captain America is that he, be- because of the time travel element of it, mm-hmm. he gets to be he gets to always be a World War II veteran. But right. Frank Castle, Frank Castle may have had to fight in the Gulf. Well, now he's in that that fake Asian country war, and they remember based on that right history. Of it, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to go off into a tangent about Captain America, but it was interesting if you think about it. You just Dennis Millard. I don't want to go off on a tangent <laughs> here. Don't make me go on a rant, babe. Uh, you know, when he, in the comics when he came back in 1963 you know, or whatever, it was only 20 years after the war. So it was a yeah. much different experience for him. 18 years. Than, than coming back in the 2000s. You know, the, the, the scene in the film where he shows up in Times Square is how it is and he's in the future. It's a much more honest, j- jarring experience in coming back at a time where all your war buddies are only in their forties, and you know. I know he could have he could have still dated Peggy. I mean, it would have been right. weird then. You get away with it now, for example. Sure, but a little little May December action. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so that, that that totally changes the character and the, and the whole thing by sliding it forward. But that's just interesting to me. That's a sidebar. But yeah, I mean, they're just doing what they're you know they're doing the best they can. <laughs> They're not. No one's being sloppy. These are all decisions that are made by lots of people and committee. It's not an accident that they're publishing these books. And they're I don't necessarily doing the best they can. And I don't know that they are teeing up movie stuff. Although I guess it's possible, but I don't. I know that the publishing side has much more sway in the movies than, than people realize. But I don't know that that's the case. Although it could be, I guess. But it's just more more that they're just trying to tell stories that people are interested in. And if that means telling out a continuity stories, look like. You know, Marvel has a multiverse. Marvel has always had a multiverse. DC yes. gets all the all the pr- press, but you know that's what Marvel six one six means. Six one six is the number of the Earth. They have numbered Earths just like DC. They've always had a multiverse. Mm-hmm. So it, it to me, it's no different than anything that Marvel's ever done. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. And it, there's a there's a it's a great thing about comic books. It's a great thing about comic books, and and I think when you talk about Earth X, like these are all things that Marvel published that are all like out of continuity stories. I think when you talk about Marvel doing stuff for movies or vice versa, 
it's smart for them to do that. Like it's smart for publishing to come up with things that they can use for movies. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to wreck the comics. It doesn't necessarily it's going to be good. But also if you think about the way that the problems that they are having with their actors mm-hmm. aging out of a part and, you know, the reality of time on that stuff, like Elseworld stuff seems to be the answer. Right. But it's interesting though, is that they've already trained everybody to watch the movies to think of one continuity and one timeline and now they've got to switch it the other way around in order to keep it sort of realistically feasible otherwise it's going to be doing uh, face melt technology on everybody oh, no. <laughs> <When> <laughs> old men running around trying to look young <laughs> De Niro Sam Jackson like <sighs> I had a moment in the mirror the other day where I was like what um, the fuck happened Just you like for a, of, for have a you moment. Thought about contacting our sponsor? <laughs> like, no, like they can't. Are they plastic surgeons too? I was like, how did this no, happen? No. Well, sometimes that can lead to depression. That's certainly an issue I have. <laughs> how did this happen? Wait, I've got how long left? How did I Jesus. allow this to happen? Anyway, I, 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 Paul, it's a great question. It's just I don't, I don't think that Marvel's doing anything different than they've ever done. They've always done out of continuity stuff. Yeah. And multiverse stuff. Just not it's as good. much as DC. They should. Yeah. I'm glad they do it. Yeah. Contact.fanboy.com uh, is where Paul P. from Vancouver, Canada. I don't know what accent that is, but it's not Canadian. That's uh, definitely not. <laughs> Connor doesn't really do accents. Canada. Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> um, he wrote in at contact.fanboy.com. <laughs> <laughs> Here in this hour of our fight, it's med- they will mid- go to Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> Mid-Atlantic. So you can write in there to get in the show. You can write in for the media split. If it's for media split, please put media split in the title. And <laughs> we'll warn you again, but what we normally do at the end of the year, as we're as coming at the end of the year, is we, we put all the emails we didn't answer in a folder and start the year fresh and new. So if you're someone who wrote in over the course of this year and didn't get your email answered, uh, you might have to send it in again because once January comes around, we will be... Starting fresh. So, FYI. And hey, let's plug things since it is the end of the year. Let's talk about the end of the year schedule. Right now, out in the feed behind these shows that we do every week, you can find Tom's, not Tom's, Josh's Tom King interview, his Talksplode interview. That's still there. We're going to talk about it still because it's a good one and you should listen to it. Also, our special edition review of Injustice, the animated series, the Tom Taylor written adaptation of a video game, now adapted into a cartoon and then uh our media split just came out this past week our final media split of the year me and josh and ron talked about what we've been enjoying in media we talked about holiday media traditions and we spent a lot of time talking about movies and we answered some emails but one of them ended up spending about 20 minutes on talking about our favorite eras of movies and things like that what a great question that was was great great question question. great discussion so check that out the media split's right behind the show in the feed like i said last week we're going to have two shows at least two shows a week for the rest of the year. So coming up this week, right before the holidays, right before Thanksgiving, you're going to get the you're definitely going to get the Eternals review. That's definitely happening. It's already in the it's already uploaded in the system. You're probably also going to get the Shang Chi review as well. I haven't uploaded that one yet. I haven't even started the edit on that one. But hopefully you're going to get both those right before the holidays. You can listen to them while you're cooking. You know, instead of fighting about politics, fight about Marvel movies. Put those put put those on the the stereo. I recommend downloading the both and then saving them and then listening to them in the specific order just in case. <laughs> <laughs> like, for example, 
if you really liked one of the movies but didn't like the other, you should listen to them in your preferred order there. I'm not giving anything away, but, you know. Or if you you listen to one of them and you're like, that was awful. I hate that review they gave. But then listen to the other one and maybe you'll even out. (laughs) (laughs) So Shang-Chi and the Eternals comes out this week. After that, pick Luke 808. And then after the week after that, our Avengers Forever Booksplode will come out, which I'm very excited to talk about. And then a week after that is our is Pickley 809. That comes out on 12.5. And then uh, a few days after that, our Booksplode on the Death of Captain Marvel, a final Booksplode of the year on December 9th. And then after that is the final pick of the week of the year, Pickley 810 on December 12th. And then, but we have two more shows. Josh hopefully has a Talksplode that comes out a few days later, which is already lined up but not done yet. And then our final show of the year, as always, is our all-media year and roundup that comes up on December 18th. And then we take a couple weeks off and come back to you fresh and new with Pick Week 811 on January 9th. So that's the rest of the year. We look forward to all those shows. And we look forward to the break because it's a lot of shows to do in four weeks. It is. It's a lot of shows. It's going to be a thing. Hey, go to ifanboy.com. Find this stuff. You can find all the shows that we have done about everything. If you search Booksplode, you can find a ton of books on that, or shows on that. If you search Talksplode, you can find a ton of stuff on that. Um, well, yeah, you got uh, episode 100 next year. Yeah, somebody January. mentioned that, and I was like, oh, that feels like pressure. Talksplode 100. Gonna, yeah, Rick Remender. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he's like, he's like 10% of them. Um, you can follow us at uh, facebook.com slash ifanboy for now. Uh, ifanboy, uh, at ifanboy on Twitter, at ifanboycomics on Instagram. Connor and I are both on Instagram. C.S. Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan. Our page over at YouTube is youtube.com slash, you guessed it, ifanboy. Um, and you can the old video shows are getting re-uploaded. The regular shows will be done soon, but there's plenty of minis to go around for a long time. And so, for example, this week you would find uh, Mega City Undercover Mini. That sounds like a Ron thing that has yep. something to do with Judge Dredd. Yeah. Um, which I don't think he's as big of a fan of as he wants to think he is. Uh, rem- <laughs> he never brings up Dredd. He's like, oh man, that's like that uh, Carlos Escara story. No, you don't do that. Uh, this is a great documentary on 2000 AD. It was on Amazon Prime when I last watched it, by the way. And you, everybody listened, everybody should read it or watch it who, who listens to this show. Uh, remembering. Yes, that too. Uh, there's remembering Frank Frazetta and Dick Giordano. Did, was that a mini? No, no, that was a full show. show. Oh, really? Um, two, they died two really legends. close to the other two. Yeah, other. that's a good show. Uh, and then there's a vault, which is when we sort of each did a different uh, book that we have. Uh, there's uh, Queen and Country, the definitive edition, volume four. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it was a good, good volume though. Uh, that was the, the that was the. Um, like the side series. It wasn't about Tara. It was about Paul Crocker, I think. Yeah. Um, then there's Tara, T-E-R-R-A, and Point Blank. Point Blank is uh, Brubaker and yep. S- S- Phillips. Yep. I don't That's know what Tara the is. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's not the prequel because it came out first. Yeah. It was the leading. Yeah. It was the one that just yeah. got overshadowed because no one at the time bought it. But yeah. Point cool. Blank was the leading to Sleeper. Tara was the, side, the spinoff of Power Girl that Amanda Connor and Jimmy Pagliotti uh-huh. did. It was a solid. Right grouping of books yeah those are good books see i think it says something that uh, us two men who can't remember anything are like oh yeah those were good books so that, that means they stick with you a little bit 
And that's so. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Not just for us, any podcast you listen to it really does help them if you leave them a review or even just click a star rating. It helps uh, people find the show, helps the algorithm, helps everything. Even better, that's word of mouth when people ask about podcasts. Again, if you're in America and you're getting ready to head over to your family's uh, celebration next week, feel free to talk about iFanboy the entire time. At least no one then will talk about vaccines. Especially if, and I, I cannot stress this enough, your uncle, you don't see him a lot. He's aloof, but he's stinking filthy rich. <laughs> and he just sits in the back and he complains about, you know, whatever. Just berate him with our name. And and don't forget, nonprofit status, we can get there. Just, <laughs> just keep telling him about that. Especially if he's had a few. Yeah, you oh can yeah, no, it, call it up on his phone. Yeah, just have I him mean, press like, the button. I assume there's a physical wallet somewhere. And like, listen, we do not condone theft, no, or or uh, illegal wire transfer or any of those felony type things. Whatever you do and your uncle do is your business. Get a signature. Get something. You know, video <laughs> like. Get some kind of solid proof before any kind of transaction takes place. But, you know, it's the least you can do for us. <laughs> this is dicey ground. <laughs> can I just say that I have built a cart at MacWeldon.com where we're here, and there's some significant uh, yearly uh, sales going on at the moment. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. MacWeldon.com slash fanboy. Yeah. Hey, the show's over. That was fun. Thanks for listening. I'm Connor. I'm <laughs> Josh. We clearly don't want it to be. Oh, got it for. Oh, got it for.